All right. It's time. <laughs> it's time. Are you guys ready to enunciate your words? So we can sound super smart like you? Uh, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. We're back. Episode 21. Like Deion Sanders. You know what I mean? <laughs> Neither of Maybe you. Maybe Rye does not. I, I actually don't. I, I do. Know. The Maybe listening no public out there knows exactly who I mean. Well, Amanda kind of does. My two sport, older. Two sport professional athlete, Deion Sanders. Rye, no idea. Couldn't care less. Seems nice. Not the sport of fitness, huh? So you don't care. They don't have numbers in the sport of fitness. You're a number like 10,000 or whatever on your little, on your little tag that says who you are. All right. Sounds good. So <laughs> we're back Sunday, sunny out. What are we talking about today, friend? Uh, episode two of individual design. Part two. So we talked about, if you haven't listened uh, from last week's episode, you should, because we start to get into how uh, basically someone comes into the individual design process and what we as coaches do in terms of initial intake and first conversations, assessments, usually some one-on-one work, and then developing their initial program design. And so obviously that sheds some light on that process. It looks pretty similar for most people. So what we're gonna focus on today is talking a little bit about where people go after that initial series of assessments and sessions Um, and basically how we create their program around what they're looking to do. And obviously that's unique to the individual. So we're going to talk about some broad categories. So why don't we start with you, Amanda, and can you give us an example of someone who you're working with? It can be anyone and sort of how you took their initial consultation about where they want to go and have created a program around that. Maybe it looks like strength or body comp or aerobic capacity. Yeah, I think for the most part, uh, the women that I work with, because ironically right now I have all women. It's great, fun little tribe, uh, but all have very similar goals in that like they want to increase their strength and have some sort of aesthetic goals that align with that. Um, Not so much performance, but want to continue to do cardio to a certain extent because it's something that they enjoy. Um, so their breakdown, depending on how many days per week they train, uh, is strength bias with a little aerobic capacity as well. Cool. So pretty, pretty generalized fitness. Nobody's trying to go bananas with regard to performance, but sort of broad performance goals and, and with maybe with a overarching body composition and health focus. And so right now I'm going to turn it to you from the academic perspective within sort of an OPEX learning setting, you know, what are, what are your thoughts about how to align someone's goals, desires, and maybe what they're doing outside of what you're programming for them with, with ultimately with your program design. Yeah. So I think it goes kind of like how we've mentioned in basically every episode so far that it's, it's based on like kind of the rest of your rest of what's going on. So if you're, you have someone who is a 
parent um, and the most important thing for them is, you know, taking care of their kids or being able to run around with them um, for years to come, then then it would be more of just a generalized uh, fitness approach, a um, little bit of everything. And then, whereas you may have, that'll probably be the general, uh, for the most part, the most of your clients, but then um, there's also going to be people who are more perform performance driven. Um, so you don't necessarily take away any of those um, like general fitness pieces, but you may add in more um, performance pieces. So it may be more strength driven cycles or more uh, aesthetic driven cycles or aerobic capacity driven cycles, depending on what their, what their interest is. Um, but for the most part, your goal is to um, make it align with the rest of their, the other 23 hours of their life. So it doesn't really make sense for a dad who's trying to uh, run around with his kids to be doing maximal lifts or, you know, always looking to achieve a maximal lift and like compete because that doesn't align with really what he's in there for. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the key word, the Sesame Street word of the day for this podcast is alignment and aligning program design, how, what, when we program for people with their goals and potentially with what they're doing outside of of their interaction with us. So I think we could probably break the majority, if not all of our clients into sort of three main buckets. And it's really under, important to understand for the listener that these buckets have a ton or tend to have a ton of overlap. So when we're working with someone, it's not necessarily that you get put into a category and you're in that category forever. Because the reality is that, it, that most people want to achieve some element of all three. But we can look at broadly as strength or broadly performance, um, but in this case, maybe strength, body composition. So that could look like the aesthetic sense of losing fat or putting on muscle, or for most people in most cases, some element of both. And then broadly aerobic capacity. So certainly we have clients who are primarily focused on strength related performance. They want to get physically stronger. And so, as you might imagine, their program design is reflective of that. And it may have some things to help with body composition. And certainly those are conversations that we have with regard to nutrition and other lifestyle practices. Um, and it may have some aerobic capacity work, but the bulk of what they're going to do is, is lifting weights, is strength building related. Uh, if we look kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I have not one, but two clients right now who are actively training for distance running events. So one, I train remotely, um, is training for marathons. He runs marathons. And the other one does ultra marathons like the 50 to 100 mile jobs where you're just going you know you're just running and running and running to the end of the earth and so it's super cool and it's really fascinating for me to learn a little bit about what drives them to want to do that stuff in that particular end of fitness which is you know extreme aerobic capacity extreme sustainability but my job as a coach 
and as a programmer is to create a design that not only doesn't interfere with that, right? If I look at it as the worst thing I can do is create stuff that's going to pull down their performance in what is ultimately their primary um, interest, which is distance running. Not only am I do I need to avoid that, but I need to not overreach them. So I need to control the volume I'm prescribing based on the volume of their running. Uh, so I just had a conversation uh, via Zoom with one of these two gentlemen where we talked about starting to put some of his strength work on what we would sort of globally refer to as maintenance volume. So maintenance volume is a relatively low amount of volume in a given week to maintain either your muscle mass or your strength or both. And frankly, it just doesn't take a ton of work uh, in, to, to hold things at maintenance. You can basically do it almost forever. Um, and in his case, his mileage volume is going up every week. So we need to adjust what else he's doing. And obviously it's my job to be responsive to, to what his goals are and to change his program around accordingly. So again, I think the big takeaways, the idea would be is that nobody really falls completely into one bucket. We're all in several different ones. Um, and that it's our job as programmers in conversations and ongoing kind of evaluations of where people are to program around that and meet them where they are. I think that was like kind of the biggest aha moment for a lot of our clients over the last few weeks and acknowledging that to a certain extent, everyone has some sort of aesthetic goals and expressing that to us as, as your coach is important because that also dictates then what we program for you and ensuring that you're pleased, not with maybe gaining strength or gaining aerobic capacity, but then in accomplishing those aesthetic goals. Speaking of that, will you tell us the story? We have a client uh, who she actually, I programmed for, but she approached you first about some aesthetic goals. So without using your name, obviously, <laughs> um, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Cause I think it, it really highlights where it's super important for people to communicate these things to their coach or to, to feel like they have someone with whom they can communicate this stuff. And I think that's, what's kind of cool about our dynamic is that we work with, <clears throat> excuse me, a wide variety of people. Um, but there are certain females who feel more comfortable talking to females about things um, and men that are more comfortable with talking to men about things. It's just kind of the reality. Uh, so this client approached me and said, hey, like, is it weird that I want to achieve this sort of physique? And I was like, not at all. Well, so give them, <laughs> give, like, what what were they looking for specifically? So I think that adds context. For specifically, they were asked, like, wanting to change uh, their core. They were like, I know that I'm never going to have a six pack, but I have some minor changes that I'd like to see in that. They've had multiple children. And so it's just kind of getting back to where they were at a previous point in life. Um, and acknowledging that A, it was a good thing that she said something to me about it, and B, that it was something that can be addressed in her programming, and C, that she could most definitely communicate that with you as the person that is programming for her. 
Yeah, I think um, kind of going off of what both little anecdotes that you both that you just talked about with her, and then also the uh, endurance athletes, you, I think James Fitzgerald put it best in the OPEX thing that we just mentioned um, that our job is kind of to complement whatever else is going on. So whether it's an endurance athlete, our we we aren't like endurance coaches specifically or we aren't um if i'm coaching a track athlete i don't know the specifics of like running form but our job is to complement the running form so that the track coach can come in and build off of that so we're kind of building the base for whatever else is going on and the same idea with your client that talked to you um about some aesthetic goals it's it's we're we're complementing the lifestyle that she wants to have or the the look that she wants to have so we're not we're we're just building a foundation for whatever else is going on in the rest of their, their life. I think it's a really interesting moment as a programmer and coach. And at some point confidant of your client is knowing when you need to step back from what you really like, because that isn't their necessarily their primary focus. And so the three of us like to lift weights and the three of us have body composition goals, right? But that doesn't matter at all in our programming or maybe even more listening to a client and his or her goals, because it's all based around what makes sense for them. So it actually ends up being a really fun thing because you get to wrap your, you almost get to step outside of yourself and wrap your mind around that person's experience and how you're going to try to, within that, create the best possible outcomes for them that align with their goals. Yeah, and I think for us, it's it's always interesting to explore new things. Um, and so to make sure that we are designing the best program for our clients, uh, I think it's always exciting when we get to <clears throat> do research into new things and understand how lifting weights can impact other things like for swimmers or for runners. Um, just knowing how weight training can positively and negatively impact those other sports for us is, is part of the exciting side of things. Yeah. I think going off of that too, is not even in addition to learning about it. We, to an extent experience different things too. Like you, should really only prescribe what you actually know, what you've experienced. So then that gives us an opportunity to work through some things that maybe we haven't done before. So then we can help the client with whether that be if we're, you know, some aerobic capacity stuff or movements we haven't tried before or whatever, whatever may pertain to them. So I think this is a great point to maybe segue on a little bit in the sense that we both have or all of us have clients whom we see multiple times a week almost every day and then we also have clients that we work with entirely remotely and i think this is a really important concept for people to understand is that it is certainly absolutely positively not a requirement to work with a coach physically in person like we've never existed at a better time in human history certainly the history of like organized fitness where you can be 
literally thousands of miles away from someone and that has that has like literally zero negative effect on the their outcomes so amanda why don't you give us an example of of one or maybe a few of your clients who you do this and how you approach working with them from afar and i'll talk about it a little bit sure so i have a few clients who uh 100 remote never see them physically in person um but communicate daily with them uh through true coach through email through video um, so that they are still getting the same level of service in which they would if they are in person with me. So they're sending me videos of their movements. They're asking questions. Uh, if they're not feeling comfortable or feel like they were doing something incorrectly in a particular movement, uh, being able to physically see them um, and then having weekly check-ins where we discuss how do they feel throughout the week where there are days where they struggled, where there are days where they <clears throat> didn't feel completely recovered, um, or days where they were like, man, that was super easy. How did I, how was I able to get to that point? Cause this day last week was absolutely brutal for me. And so having the conversations with them about the why, um, and the changes in their programming is always very important. Um, but like you said, we have so many tools at our disposal, that we can connect with clients from wherever they are as if they were sitting right next to us at this table. It's a really interesting thing because oddly, uh, so one would immediately assume that the optimal is to train in person with, with your coach. And generally that probably is true for most people. The interesting thing is, is because of the, the scope of technology and what we have at our disposal, there is really not a drop off. And you could make a reasonable um, point that it actually might be a little bit better to work remotely um, because as opposed, if someone's back squatting, I can I can see them do a few reps, but I need to develop uh, cues based on those things. And effectively, you only see a given set once if you're there in person. Whereas if you're viewing it, like if someone videos it and sends it to me, and this is extremely common, it's actually a requirement for people we don't see in person. They have to do this. Um, you can watch it 30 times. You can watch it in slow motion. You can zoom in and out, and it allows you a level of sort of analysis and critique that you really almost can't do in person. Um, and then when you combine that with conversations on Google Hangouts, you know, that we have at specifically uh, sort of codified intervals, you know, every few weeks or maybe every week, it really allows you to stay on the same page with someone, even if they're thousands of miles away and in different time zones and things like that. So I think that's, it's a really wonderful service that we can provide to people that they don't need to be, you know, local to us that you can, you can work with, with them literally from, from anywhere and they can have fantastic results and, and the accountability and all of that stuff is, is exactly the same as if they were in person with you. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is even though they are not with us, right. 
their goals still change. So it's, it's easy for us with the communications that we have for them to articulate to that to us and we can make the adjustments to their program as needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about how we prescribe programming for people on days when maybe they don't come to the gym. So what we would sort of globally term off days or rest days. Now these would be, this would be people who don't have a big outside interest. Like obviously if someone's training for a marathon, it might be a quote unquote rest day for us, but it's actually a very high activity level for them. Or if someone does jujitsu or something like that, like it's very, very taxing, but let's assume their primary athletic or fitness outlet is working with us. So when someone's off, what sorts of things and what sorts of direction do you like guys like to give to them? Um, I think I'm kind of biased towards this cause I like doing it, but I think just like getting outside and walking, um, whether that be, you know, if you have a dog, especially this time of year, it's great to get outside. Um, and that can be awesome, especially if you have your family, um, some stuff like that. And you don't even, you know, it's not super taxing and it's great for recovery. Um, or, uh, you know, going to the new park, going for a little hike, something like that. Um, and then that's also, if you want to go a little bit more in depth, you could work on some like very low intensity, very sustainable aerobic activity. And that could kind of turn into your, your quote unquote rest day could be the beginnings of a, um, of working on being extremely sustainable, right? So if you're doing aerobic activity, then your goal is to be sustainable. So that's a great way to kind of teach that and start start diving into that. Yeah, I think for most of us right now, especially with it being summer and limited in the activities that we can do that for most people, especially my tribe of women, uh, most all of them have children and younger children. So, you know, they're, rest day from the gym or rest day from lifting weights in some capacity uh, is simply like get out, play with your kids, go for a bike ride or go for a walk, go play at the park, like be active with them. Um, Summertime, some pools are open or some people are lucky enough to live near body of water. They can go swimming, like doing things that still require them to be active. And it goes back to, and reinforces like the work that they're doing in the gym. They've expressed that they want to be able to do these things with their family. They want to be able to walk up a flight of stairs with their groceries and not be out of breath. And so just kind of saying and reiterating and reinforcing that like, these are the activities that you can do because of the work that you're putting in at the gym, I think is great. Yeah, I think it's it actually goes back to the central tenet of individual design itself, which is the idea that you're creating a program based around the desire of an individual. So, you know, what I'm hearing from you guys is that it really depends. So for some people, it could be a very active rest day or, or something where they're they're moving in a little bit more of a codified way. Like, so what we would globally refer to as map 10, like really relatively slow, steady state, very, very sustainable aerobic work that can take a million different forms from walking to riding a bike, you know, to carrying things, et cetera. Uh, and for some people, 
and I've no, you know, this is something that we explore a lot when I have people who are on deload weeks or, or even more active rest time where we're in between training blocks uh, is encouraging them to do things outside of the gym. Or if you come into the gym setting, it should be purely to have fun. Like you should basically come in with the intention of messing around with nothing really on your plate that's serious. And that, that and this can be done during on rest days too. So it achieves two things. So we want to lower fatigue. So we're building fatigue all week from hard training. And that fatigue continues to accumulate over weeks. So it gets higher and higher and higher the farther we go into a mesocycle or, or several weeks of training. And so at some point, we need to let the pressure off the tank. And the idea of a rest day is to do that just a little bit. And so we don't prescribe that anybody works out seven days a week. That's a recipe for burnout and injury and on a long enough timeline. Um, so we need to take the pressure off. And sometimes that can look like going for a walk, going for a hike. But really what it is, is talking to that person and getting to know what makes them happy. So I have one of my, my uh, a client that I've had for a long time and we have a great relationship uh, and developed a really nice friendship. He lives way far out and has a, a big plot of land that his family owns. So for him, a quote unquote active rest day might be just being outside and he's busy, very busy during the week. And we, we, we pound him pretty hard with volume. So his like quote unquote active rest might be just walking around on his property, just enjoying his day. Like it's very, very unstructured. And for other people, it is, you know, to their desire and therefore appropriate for us to have more codified work on, on those quote unquote rest days. So I'm actually specifically prescribing things for them to do. And again, the, neither of those is right or wrong. It's purely based on the desire of the individual. For sure. I know that I have a client that like expresses the desire to stretch or do some like yoga-esque type things, but they will not go to a yoga studio. They will not do it on their own. And so one of their rest days, one of their days outside of the gym, that's solely what I'm prescribing for them. And it's just a this is forcing me to do it because I'm holding myself accountable to you. Therefore I'm checking in that I am doing these stretches because this is what is helpful for me. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a few minutes left. Um, and so I'd like to touch on something briefly. Maybe we'll kind of tease it for a future episode, but it's how does uh, nutrition and other lifestyle stuff fit in with someone's design. So I'm going to give you each about a minute. And you can chat a little bit about that. We'll start with Rye. We'll go age before beauty and we'll start with Rye. Uh, we literally just read my mind because I was thinking about future episodes we should talk about, like lifestyle factors. That's but like finger guns in the air. Um, I think, and it's ironic because I'm literally just finished uh, some of the OPEX coursework about this stuff. Um, so it's like fresh in my brain. It has me uh, juice about, and I think overall it's just, it's as those factors to so sleep, nutrition, um, that's kind of stuff are as important, if not extremely more important than the work you do actually in the gym. 
Um, so as we start to design a program with someone with exercises and movements, we're also designing a program for them, potentially with nutrition. We're talking about their sleep patterns. We're talking about, um, you know, what their day looks like in terms of work and when they're eating and what they're eating, when they're waking up, um, what their sleep looks like, right? So you can be in bed for eight hours, but you may not actually be getting that much sleep. Um, so I think that's, that starts to come into the conversation and develops into the program as, as back squats and movements come into. For sure. And I think if you've been listening to us for a while now, obviously these are all things that we've talked about, um, nutrition, lifestyle habits, those sorts of things. Um, and they're just important for us as coaches that we do, but the exciting part is, is that's part of the individual design. That is why you talk to us it's so that we can make sure that overall the 24 hours of your day uh, are supported in the most appropriate way to achieve all of the goals that you have, whether that's in the gym or outside of the gym. Yeah, that's it. So we'll get more into that in future episodes and how we kind of go through the prescriptive process for people. We've talked about it certainly with us and that it's important sort of globally, um, but getting into that. But that's, I think, really covers a lot of what we do in terms of movement prescription for people and the why behind it. So hopefully that sheds some light on that process for people or answers some questions. Certainly if you have questions, reach out to us. Instagram is a great way, aerobic power builder on Instagram. Uh, otherwise, have an awesome day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your ears for about 29 minutes. And we'll see you next time. See ya.